Well, it's the 6th of June, and I am really finding it very difficult to say anything about the Middle East peace process, about Israel and Palestine. This is the second time I've recorded this because it really upsets me, this current situation. And I want to say something that is respectful of Israel and respectful of Palestine, and it is very difficult to do so at the moment. I mean, Israel is going to annex the West Bank. What, what does that mean? Annex much of the West Bank. On the 1st of July, Israel will do this. I mean, over half the Israeli population actually likes this idea. Actually likes this idea. What do they want? A one-state solution? Israel is the dominant power. Huge responsibility, therefore, falls on its shoulders. And really, to respect the other is a fundamental principle of Judaism. And I read the Bible as a little boy, and I remember how Jesus saw Jerusalem and wept, how he would weep now, given the present circumstances. Is this right? Is this helpful? Is this the way forward? For the state of Israel, that great nation state that was bought out of suffering, born out of suffering, born out of catastrophe in Europe, that great movement of Zionism that rescued the Jewish people after the Holocaust, is this the culmination of it all? I don't know, really. I don't see it as right. I saw the building of a wall when they started building that wall, when Sharon started building that wall between the Palestinians and the Israelis, mostly on Christian land in places like Bethlehem. My goodness, it was tough for, for the people who lived between the Muslim Palestinians and the Jews, which were largely the Christian communities, with the walls built through their backyards. Have you seen Bethlehem lately? Anyway, I thought that was the beginning of the end. I saw it as a catastrophe. That was a catastrophe. Because it meant we could never have true peace. True peace, um, yes, what's true peace? John Kimshi, the great Jewish journalist, always said there was a difference between peace and, and concord. I, I, what did he mean? He was, he was talking about the fact that you could, have, you could have two populations that lived side by side and had a ceasefire and were, but were not actually respectful of one another, not at peace with one another, and yet they'd call it peace. That's not the way. It's not the way. It's the duty of the dominant power to deliver peace. Is this what Israel wants? Does Israel want a kind of uh, apartheid state, or what? What? I mean, that's of course I shouldn't use language like that. I compare Israel to South Africa, but I mean, if you're not going to have a genuinely independent Palestinian state, then you, then you must have a one-state solution. And yet, and yet, and yet, the Palestinians have helped bring this about, have they not? They're, I really think it's atrocious the way they have again and again and again failed to step up to the mark with regard to peace talks. And for years and years, the excuse that has been used by the Palestinian president, Abu Mazen, has been the fact that there's settlement building on Israel's behalf, on Israel's part, and we cannot have a peace process. Well, Israel is building settlements. Well, Arafat would never have done that, would he? Never given a veto to Israel on all peace talks. And so then along comes Trump and up go the Palestinians to Washington for talks and talks and talks. And they they say uh, Trump's listening, but he's not saying anything. We're not getting any response. Finally, he makes a response, the Trump peace plan. And the Palestinians say, oh, well, no more talks. We're not going to talk to you anymore. 
this is disgraceful. We're not having it. We're not going to We reject this out of hand. Of course, they reject it out of hand, but they could get into talks about it. They could discuss it instead of disempowering themselves by walking off in a huff. Okay, they can publicly denounce it, but they could go on talking, having discussions about it. I mean, this is the basis, really, isn't it, for the annexation of the West Bank, the Trump peace plan. And it's a new Nakba, a new catastrophe for Palestinians. You know the word Nakba, the catastrophe. It's what um, Israel's independence. Israel was declared independent in 1948 without a constitution, without a capital, and without any fixed borders. The greatest thing we've seen for the Palestinians and on the Palestinians' behalf lately has been, I would say, I would say the movement to recognize Palestine as a state, regardless of the fact that it has no proper constitution, no borders, and no capital in Jerusalem. But the movement to recognize Palestine as a state, very much led in recent times by the Balfour Initiative in the United Kingdom, which has been hugely controversial, but has actually been a very good thing in, in many ways. I viewed it as hugely controversial to begin with. In fact, I didn't like it to begin with, despite the fact that I was in on it in so much as I knew about it, because some people from Initiatives of Change were the ones who set it up and their kind of sister organization to the Next Century Foundation. I knew about it from the beginning, but I didn't really like it. No. Why? Because I felt it was giving a kind of pro-Palestinian stance. But I guess the Palestinians need it. You, you can be pro-Palestinian and pro-Israeli. You should be pro-Palestinian and pro-Israeli. Israel has every right to exist. It is the homeland for the Jews, much, much mistreated Jewish people. You should also be pro-Palestinian. Palestinians have lived in this land since ancient times. It is their homeland too. We can't expel one to help the other. Yes, this is a Nakba, this July 1st business. Ah, catastrophe. But treat it as an opportunity if you're Palestinian. I mean, it is an opportunity. It is an opportunity for a new start. It's an opportunity to, to get rid of the fetid old leadership of Palestine. They are so, so old. I'm old, but they're ancient. Doddery. And they've had their dead hand on, on Palestine for too long. It's time for a new start, for goodness sake. I mean, there are plenty of young, fatter people who are heroic. Um, Marwan Barghouti, of course, is in, in an Israeli jail. He's the fatter Nelson Mandela. Hamas were very frightened of the release of the prospect of the release of Marwan Barghouti because there was talk about releasing Marwan Barghouti as one of the prisoners in exchange for Gilad Shalit. You remember that young officer that was captured by Hamas, the young Israeli officer? And Hamas put a stop to that, didn't they? Why? Because they're terrified that Marwan Barghouti <laughs> might be popular in Gaza as well as in the West Bank. And end their days of hegemony because we, Gazans might demand a vote. Oh, anyway, at least that's how I perceive it. Some would say, oh, Egypt leaned on Hamas. I mean, this is Hamas's excuse. Egypt leaned on us. We had to. We had to. Of course, it didn't have to. But they conspired with Israel. Hamas and Israel conspired together to make sure Mawan Baghouti stayed in jail and was not one of the prisoners exchanged for Gilad Shalit, is my view. And I'm sticking to it. Anyway, the worst thing about the Trump peace 
plan. Do you know what I think is the worst thing about the Trump peace? I would have gone in the negotiations. The worst thing about the Trump peace plan is that it seizes the offshore assets of Palestine. Do you realize how wealthy Gaza is with its huge, huge natural gas resources just offshore? And Israel has been, uh, Israel and Egypt actually have been sucking that gas out of the sea and treating it as their own, stealing it from the Gazans. It's theft, actually. Uh, Gaza would be the most prosperous country, I mean, with its industry, with its wonderfully vibrant people, with its beautiful shoreline, miles of golden sand. Gaza would be, I mean, its strategic position, be the Singapore of the Middle East if it were allowed to have its natural gas resources and its immense wealth. Instead, it's a vast present. Yeah, collective punishment. It's illegal. But interesting, isn't it? Now, now, at last, coronavirus has helped Gaza because Gaza is churning out PPPE, or whatever they call it, PPE, PPE, for Israel in colossal quantities. The tailors of Gaza, the factories of Gaza that have been silent for so long because of the clamp down by Israel are producing garments on a massive scale. <laughs> producing all Israel's PPE <laughs> to protect Israel from COVID virus. Actually, Gaza's done very well because of the lockdown, because it's a prison camp. It hasn't had too much COVID virus. Uh -huh. Anyway, so yeah, now Israel's dependent on Gaza. Oh, bless. Look, all I am saying is that this is an extraordinary time and Israel is very precious. Palestine is very precious and we need to keep them talking to each other. We need to do it at every level. First track, second track, any track. I disliked the way Gazans arrested a couple of kids for chatting to Israelis on the internet. You know, some little peaceniks in Gaza and peaceniks. Come on, don't arrest people for talking. Hamas, Haram, Lake, you are disgraceful to do that. No, it's not good enough. We need to keep Palestinians and Israelis talking. And we need to do that by any means possible because it is not good for Israel that she goes her own way. And it's not good for Palestine that she fails to man up and respond I'm sorry, I don't mean to be critical, but I am of both Palestine and Israel at this time. Okay, God bless you. Thank you.